Let's go. Okay. Welcome to Three Out of Three Falls, a wrestling podcast where your hosts will discuss three wrestling matches. One chosen by each of your two hosts and one chosen by our random match generator. Kind of in the doghouse with us at the moment, (laughs) but we'll get to that later. My name is Joe. Hey, my name's Jason. Before we start, we've got a few things to say. One, uh, please go check out our blog, tootf.tumblr.com. That's T-O-O-T-F, like three out of three falls. <laughs> Look at the matches. We'll post the matches. We'll post links to them on the network and elsewhere when we can find them. And uh, hopefully, I, oh, the other thing I wanted to say is apologies for not following through with the new stuff in between <laughs> during the skip week. And we're still working on that. Jason had the flu and uh, still is still recovering. That's the next thing we'll talk about. But uh, yeah, it's still to come. Please bear with us. Uh, it will be more fun. Um, and in the meantime, enjoy some fun videos and stuff. Jason? Hey, man. It's already fun. Yeah, you're right. It is. It is already fun. We're just trying to kick it up a notch. And speaking of kicking it up a notch, I think I kicked myself up a notch uh, by getting the flu this uh, past weekend. So I am recuperating and still a little under the weather. Joe was making fun of me for slurping on a Ricola before we started uh, recording. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, terrible. <laughs> see, fucking it. It's see, it's back. I'm um, gonna try to edit out as many coughs as I can. Um, what we're saying so is, if there's some coughs, cut I the dude some terrible, slack. I have a terrible cough, and if I get a little too uh, Jasoned out and get excited, and all of a sudden start hacking and coughing. It is not my fault. Uh, I'm trying to be as healthy as possible. So that's the disclaimer for this episode. Which episode is this? This is the 12th episode. 12th episode. We've made oh, it to right. a dozen. We're, this is the fucking dirty dozen. Sickly dozen. Should we just jump into the first match then of, of the dirty dozen episode of Three Out of Three Falls? <laughs> I suppose we should. Let's go for it. By the it. way, what's what's the menthol in that in those Ricolas? Um, well, it's a mixture. Uh, what the percentage? The MGs. MGs is four point eight milligrams. That's not bad. No, I man, always go they're... for the highest menthol. See, the most I soothed. see. I go for the most natural. I go for you know the fucking um. What is this? You know, peppermint, sage, elder, linden flowers. Holy smokes. Wild, wild thyme, whorehound, high sop, regular thyme, lemon balm, and mallow. It's probably for the best. I mean, I go straight up all the chemicals I can get. I want the <laughs> fakest halls bullshit with like 10 MGs or whatever you call them of menthol. Just nah, the most man. menthol possible. Just I'm to going freeze for my a, throat. I'm going for a mild menthol because the fact why I even got sick in general was because I wore my body down too much. Truth, truth, disclaimer. Um, I work in the music industry, so we hadn't the the humble label crack. that I work for. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> um, the the label that I work for, we had an artist in town who played a couple of high profile shows and we were all out a little too late, had a lot of fun, uh, but the sheer amount of fun reacted poorly uh, within my body. Uh, I think I just wore my body down too much. I wasn't sleeping well because I was hung over all the time um, and I got sick. Sinuses hit and then I got sick and then I got really sick over the weekend. So, it was partly my own doing. So the I don't need more chemicals. I need like more natural state of Jason, you know? Yeah. Hey, how many of of your label's artists have recorded theme songs for WWE pay-per-views or NXT special events? Because um, each huh. one has like eight now. 
<laughs> I'm thinking that there's only Every one. Every NXT TakeOver has like five songs for it. There's only one artist who might have. Who? And it might have been like years ago. Okay. Well, whenever, you don't have to give whenever... away the label you work for if you don't want to. Um, I'll, I'm going to pass yeah, on keep, that. Yeah, keep that mi- mystery. We want to keep a sense of mystery about this. We're going to keep the mystery going, but I think one might have or had a song that was associated with a pay-per-view like years ago. Let's go, let's go to match number one. Match, oh, well, here's the thing about match number one. One of my notes was, and I want to apologize to you, I don't know if you fast forward through all the commercials. Uh, I did. I had to make sure that I got it back to the point where the match started up again. Yeah, which meant there's a good chance that you might have accidentally had to hear Greenlight, the theme of this past year's WrestleMania again. <laughs> the song that you heard a billion times in the first three months of this year. It was terrible. I heard it for about 10 seconds and I felt, wrote down, please apologize to Jason. Sorry you had to hear Greenlight again. Who's, who true. did Greenlight? Pitbull and a Flow Rider? The, the, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Neither of whom are on your label. Okay. Match number one is man, my pick it... this time. What? Is Pitbull on your label? <laughs> no. What were no. you interrupting me about then? I was going to say <laughs> that Flowrider is one of the most hilarious names I have ever heard in my entire life. Is, that it's... is... <laughs> It's fucking Florida, but it's Flow Rider. He, ri- it's, he rides it's the flow. It's fucking stupid. It's fucking stupid, I think but it's like clever. Brilliant at the exact same time. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that guy's really funny. He ain't no machine gun guy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> okay, let's uh, go into match number one. My pick this week Andrade Cien Almas. Versus Oni Lorcan from NXT 383, March 22nd of this year, 2017. Jason? Mm. Man. Sorry. I was drinking some water. (laughs) That's Um, okay. This match was great. Like, I... I'm so glad you liked it. Truth moment again. I don't I don't watch NXT on a regular basis. So, you know, I try to watch the takeovers. I I I try to follow on a, you know, internet results kind of uh sure. scale. Mm-hmm. Um so I I knew Almas because I knew of his prior history in Mexico. Like I I knew I knew him back whenever he was in the luchador scene, and I know his family history and everything like that. But Oni Lorcan was someone who I'd never seen before. Oh. Fuck, man. Fuck, man. Oni Lorcan is like my new favorite fucking dude. Wow. So Oni Lorcan, I think, was on the indies as uh, Biff Busick? That's a terrible name. See, I think Biff Busick's better than Oni Lorcan, especially See, for a guy who looks and moves like him. Although Orny Lorcan's See, kind of, kind of works for me there too. I like I like Orny Lorcan because, well, first of all, what his nickname is the Boston Brawler. Is yeah. that his name? I think something like that. He does. Yeah. He looks he looks like a dude who wants a beer, and I want to give him a beer, and have a beer with him. Sure, I see that. So to me, he's kind of like a half that and half. A cartoon monster, the way he moves because of, because and growls. Because it's like it's like the exaggeration of everything. Yeah, he makes these funny, like kind of high pitched growls, and he's like muscular but very thin, but tall and kind of lanky. And the way his arms move as he walks and runs around the ring, he looks yeah. like a skinny wolf man. He looks something. like a, a Scooby Doo character. Kinda, yeah, yeah, and it it's like. A bizarre mix. The thing, so we'll just jump right into this. Oni Lorcan, okay. I really like, but I also don't like. And let me explain that. 
when I see him, I'm like, I like that he has a unique look. I don't particularly love the look, but I like that it's different enough that that kind of like trumps the fact that I'm that I don't love the look. And his exaggerations and movements are so unique and particular to him that even if I don't, I don't love them immediately, the fact that I don't see them anywhere else and that he's so, he's such a bizarre character and his, his character as like a person in backstage vignettes and stuff is that he's kind of like a nice guy who's going to try hard and stand up for people. He's, he's like one a, of those. He's one of those like Tito Santana style baby yeah, faces. He's just like kind of a bland face. He's gonna try hard, and then this oh, that this sucks. match builds off of CN. We'll get to in a second. Was bullying Ho Ho Loon in the locker room, and then Oni Lorcan no, stops Lord. him and is like, "I'm gonna fight you. You can't bully people." <laughs> but then he gets in the ring and he's just fucking maniac. It's so weird. I don't know. Yeah. He is a. He is really bizarre. I love. I'm so glad that you like him that much. Um, he is I probably what makes great. this match that cool. I um, thought it was great. I thought that. I thought that Almas, which I guess we could talk about Almas. Yeah. Like he is ridiculous. He's so good. He is so fucking cocky. He's such just like a turd. Like yeah. he's not even like oh man like. Like, I say turd for a reason because, like, his character is, like, so just, like, just smarmy, diabolical that, you know, he's, he's like, good... you're, he's, he's a fucking villain turd. Full it's like, you can't be like, it's not even say that dude is, like, shitty or, like, something like that. It's like, turd is very specific, you I, know? I mean, I think, so what he's going for is douchebag. Yeah. Right? Um, Definitely, his character now, and I think shortly after, maybe around this, the time of this match, but certainly since on NXT, he he'll have a match with someone and lose, and then there'll be a they'll 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 they'll, they'll do a a thing after the match where an interviewer tries to get a word with him as he leaves the arena with a bunch of ladies and gets into an Escalade with a bunch of babes, and oh, blows Lord. off the doesn't care to talk and he's like smiling doesn't care that he lost his match he's going out to party and now they're showing that before they would just be like i heard he was partying last night you know like they talk about him being a partying ladies man so i'm waiting for like the payoff because the last few takeovers he's just lost to a new guy and his character is developing but he's so good in the in the match and especially in this match the the story for him is kind of that he is underselling Lorcan and kind of uh, being an asshole, stepping on yeah. his hand, gloating and stuff. But then he starts ramping up, and at the end, he almost loses, gets really pissed, and... Takes it seriously. Fucking, fucking... yeah. Quits the bullshit, gets fired up, and, and, and finishes the, the event. Or the, it finishes the match, right? Yeah. So no, he totally. finishes the match so, with some fire. But... So but let me, the... before we talk about like the specifics of the match, kind of like the get into that. The reason I picked this match, the reason I remembered it at all, I wanted to pick a, a an Almas match because I really like Almas. We talked about it on the WrestleMania pre-show about how yeah the eighteen-hour-long WrestleMania pre-show episode yeah about how good he is well. as being this kind of cocky heel and. And how it's totally clicked way better than his being a good guy when he first came in, right? Yeah. He's just a great wrestler. And he inhabits his character so well. But it was between this and the takeover, whatever one happened in January, Orlando, I think. With, mm. uh, no, was Orlando the last one? Orlando was the most recent one. That takeover... was the one dur- during Mania. Where was Ron? Or whatever. Who cares? Um, the one in January before Royal Rumble. Um, okay. Where almost fights Roderick Strong. And Roderick Strong is a really cool wrestler, too. Maybe we'll do oh, this yeah. in the future. And it's just a really hard-hitting match where they do all sorts of cool moves, right? But to me, that match... That match is like a... 
a match that you aren't surprised you're surprised by if you buy in and you're watching them do all the cool moves back and forth this match their styles are so different the rhythms the rhythm to the match and the turnarounds one person has the advantage and the other one are really cool because the styles are so different it's very hard hitting but so many of the moves and even the movements that these guys do aren't things that I see weekly, monthly, or even ever in WWE. Like, where did this match come from? Normally, when I'm well, watching a match in WWE or NXT, I kind of know where most of it comes from. Which moves sure. in a guy's arsenal they're pulling out yeah. when, what what builds up. And we can talk about this in the in, in your pick. Um, yeah. And And to be honest... Sometimes I get kind of burnt out on a month when there's like two pay-per-views and an NXT thing and I'm watching NXT and then we're, now we're doing this podcast and like you see all these matches and even good matches kind of are predictable. In this match, between the moves that they do and how they string them together and how both of them move, mostly in, you know, you have CN's villainous tactics and, and goofiness mashed up against Lorcan's insanity this match just seemed fresh and unique in a way that I it stuck in my mind until now. You know what I mean? Like I saw it and I've been thinking about it since then, just going like, Will I pick that match? What a fucking weird match. Anyway, that's like my spiel about why I picked this, but we can talk about the exact moments or, or whatever well, you want to talk about here's, now. Here's the thing is that whenever I first started watching it. It kind of started itself off like it's weird. What I what I well what I would call is like typical. What I would classify as like typical indie match, like style, where uh, like that's the only way I know to describe it. Where it's like okay, they're basically they're establishing character, but character trait. If the way it starts, I I maybe shortly after what you're talking about, there's kind of like a flub. Or a botchy, a sequence of semi botches. Yes, that's I think that's what I mean by like just kind of like typical indie shit where it's like they're oh. trying to do some shit, it's not coming across very very well. It start the match starts the off kind of kind of awkward. But yeah, but I for some reason there's like a drop kick flub moment, and then there's some aggressive strikes, and then Lorcan clothesline Cien out of the ring, but. It, mm-hmm. then they get out and run around and like none of it it doesn't gel for the first like three three minutes right but it feels real in the way it doesn't gel because their styles are so crazy that i kind of bought it i wasn't like oh no they're fucking up i was like whoa these guys are so different how are they even to have a fucking match if this is how it starts moves are nearly missing and you can't tell if they're supposed to be a near miss or if they accidentally nearly missed, you know? See, and I then wasn't it kind of like that. builds into I don't know. I I feel like I bought that their styles are so different that 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 stuff kind of made us made a sense to me. Maybe I was being charitable because I I knew that the end of the match, <laughs> I didn't remember exactly how the end of the match happened, but I knew that I was impressed by it so maybe Mm. i was being more charitable to the beginning this time see not having any kind of prior association with the match you were just and always kind of like well no and always just kind of like okay if joe picks a match even (laughs) if it's like a stevie ray you know vincent that match match, i'm still gonna go i'm still gonna look at it critically okay yeah. because obviously you have a rationale behind picking it so, one of these days I'm gonna whenever, pick a match just to like <laughs> fuck with you. <laughs> I'm gonna pick a legitimately terrible match that's incredibly long. I think you already did. I think it's the Stevie Ray Vincent uh, that fucking match Brian is like Adams. six minutes long, and that I is, never watched it before in my defense. That match is brutal. Um, but anyway, uh, that aside, um, you know, I I went into it with you know a, a critique, uh, critiquing eye. Um, and it, the first, like, I would say even four, like first five minutes of this match are, they're still feeling each other out. They're still, they haven't, yeah, they haven't established a rhythm. Um, 
it's you know once they come back from the commercial break is whenever everything starts to gel mm-hmm. more um there were three moves that completely blew me away two were by Lorkin one was by Almas Lorkin hits i think what's called a running blockbuster yeah which that is, blockbuster it's was... like <laughs> It's a basically it's a spinning like tornado neckbreaker. He's it yeah. is he does a flip and neck does a neckbreaker to the guy as he's running at him, and the guy's running it at is him. crazy looking. His half and half suplex oh, yeah. is pretty sick, is pretty sick looking. That's like his finish. But all that being said, you know this was during the portion of the match where it was it was really getting heated. Like I had a sense that Lorkin could potentially have won this match and that. And almost was like not taking this person, his opponent, seriously. Uh, so Lorgan does this crazy like array of moves. Um, and then almost finally kicks out of the half and half suplex uh, and hits. You know, you can tell he's like gets pissed off. He's finally taking it seriously and he hits. He hits a fucking crazy hammerlock DDT. Oh, wait. And okay. It, That's not what I thought fucking, you were going to talk about. That's his finisher, well, you, right? That, I, that DDT yeah, was dude. awesome. Oh, yeah. What were you going to talk about? His finisher used to be the double knees in the corner. And then he got something else. Maybe he went to this DDT. So he does the double knees. When he, when he okay. almost loses and he's like, fuck this. I almost just lost. He throws him into the corner to do the double knees. He elbows him brutally in the face, way more than he needs to. Then he does the yeah. double knees, and then he does that DDT. It's awesome. What I thought you were going to yeah. talk about is after he kicks out of the half-and-half half suplex, they do a bunch of hops and strikes and slaps and stuff. Lorcan does a headbutt, oh, yeah. misses yeah. the blockbuster off the middle rope, and then Cien does a super cool cartwheel flip kick. Oh yeah! What and he the hits fuck him was that thing? He hits him with like both both legs, both the, feet yeah, at the like same both time. feet and yeah. shins. He does a cartwheel oh, and then a yeah. backflip, and his feet yeah. just come, it was like a comic book move. I was like, "What the hell was that?" It was yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. Fuck, and I forgot to write that down. Yeah, dude, no, that was, shit was sick. And right before that, awesome. that is the se- the sequence where <laughs> Oni does. Uh, somersault senton off the top onto a standing opponent. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Nigel McGinnis, for telling me what the fuck that was. Throws Almas yeah. in and does a series of six running hip attacks. They just keep yeah. coming. And they look so weird and crazy. He does three. He does four. He sells the pain that he's putting himself into. He yeah. looks insane. He does this crazy growl thing. And then he does more. And then he does that suplex. But that's like, I don't know, like that whole sequence, starting probably with, they both do cool clotheslines, and also they can both sell giving and receiving a chin lock. But like Oni does a weird squirmy monster cover thing, does some European uppercuts. I don't know, just like... Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things that he does that look so weird and not cool, like in quotes. Like almost does a thing and it looks cool oni does a thing that looks cool but like bizarre i don't know like something about their meshing here and then the moves that they chose to do and the how they chose to do them it's not like it was a really refreshing match when i first watched it and it stuck enough because of that that i wanted to i'm glad i picked it and watched it again it's really fun yeah no totally i was i was i was impressed that DDT. I was really yeah, impressed. You're right. I'm glad you were impressed. I'm that that really makes me happy because I was like I had no idea because you know it's a random NXT match, um, <laughs> and really from this so they did this taping at uh some other arena you can tell, I think in Florida, so they taped a few episodes at this other arena you can tell because the entrance ramps on the left and not the right you know, and there's a lot more people yeah. there, it's not a full sale. And I think there's a match on it that you should watch. We talked about it briefly um, from this taping leading up to the takeover at WrestleMania where they do um, a triple threat match where one of 
DIY versus one of the revival versus one of the authors of pain. Oh, and holy shit. Yeah. To build to that triple threat tag match. And it's super entertaining. I would recommend watching that, but like there's that there's these Chris hero matches that are good, even though he looks really not great, but, um, yeah, this match out of all the matches from those episodes, this match like really stuck out to me. It's kind of like a weird dark horse match. It gets a, this is awesome chant right before the end. It's like they could have kept going if they had more time. I, I want to see more. Yeah, from both no, these totally. Guys. I hope I'm down. I hope we see a lot more from both these guys in the future. I mean, I'm on team Lorkin, so that's awesome. I hope he doesn't fuck it. I I hope he doesn't fuck it up because I'm 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 buying in on him. That's great, man. That's awesome. I'm really happy that I uh, picked a match that now you have a new kind of favorite. And, yeah, uh, man. That's cool. I'm down. That's the type. I mean, I've been kind of not super into watching NXT weekly lately. Um, for the last sure not quite a year but around there and i've been i still do it because i've watched it weekly since it since the network started you know i try, try to hold to the tradition but um sure you do still get things like this matches that you aren't expecting to be so neat and then you're like what wow anyway i enjoyed the match it was awesome i'm on team Lorkin. Sweet. I'm down. I love the Boston Brawler, a hundred percent. He's badass. And almost, and almost, and almost is the shit too. So nothing, nothing against almost. You I already think just knew Lork- was the shit. I already knew. I already knew it was the shit. So Lork- I'm satisfied. Is unlike any wrestler I've ever seen. Maybe there is a precedent for him in the past that I don't know about. I would not be surprised. Most, more likely than that, he's a conglomeration of influences, right? Like everyone else. But I don't know if I've seen a guy with his build, his look, and his mannerisms and bizarre intensities and moveset. And that says a lot, right? Because you see guys and you'll be like, that guy's awesome, but they remind you of somebody or they're just like doing a certain thing extremely well, or they're combining a couple things, or like AJ Styles who does everything really well. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But they do it in a way that is, I don't know. Every AJ Styles match I watch is refreshing too, but in a different way, not in a way that kind of like it surprises me for a different reason. I don't know. I don't have this all thought out. Um, Lorcan is a neat, is a really neat wrestler, and I'm glad that he's uh, in NXT doing his thing. Match number two. Match number two is Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 21, April 3rd, 2005. Before we dive into this match, I just want to say real quick, I think this was uh, our friend Aubrey's favorite match, or one of them, back years and years ago when we were watching pay-per-views with him at that bar in like Gramercy or whatever, Midtowny area. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he yeah. talked to us about this match when we were walking to the subway after some pay per view. Oh shit! Whenever we were, I think we were pretty drunk. We were probably we very were, drunk. And we were talking about Memphis wrestling, and we were talking about just favorite matches in general. I think he, there was um, a part where we were talking about TNA, and I had no idea. About any oh, TNA yeah. stuff, and you guys were talking about TNA. Anyway, um, oh yeah, Aubrey has a uh, <coughs> podcast called Straight Shoot, a show that's much better than ours. You should go listen to it. Anywho, Jason, <laughs> um, this match to me, this is a perfect wrestling match. It is both modern and classic styles between. Two workers who I view as two of the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I fucking love Kurt Angle. I think he his work in the WWF, WWE, worked up until right before his last run as a part of ECW, whenever he was kind of on probation for getting a little too heavy on into the drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
everything up until then was fucking golden. Uh, his work with Austin, his work with Rey Mysterio was fantastic. Even his work with Cena, uh, his work with Triple H was great. His work with The Rock, his work with Brock Lesnar. Angle and Brock Lesnar had a amazing Iron Man match on SmackDown. It's a 60-man oh. Iron Man match. And it is... They go in a whole a whole hour on SmackDown. That's crazy. Yeah, it was amazing. It just he could work with anybody, and with someone like Shawn Michaels, which in watching this match, I kind of came to the realization that I enjoy Shawn Michaels a lot, but I think I like the work. His initial burst of, like, work, the first, like, five years or so that he did right after he came back from his injury, more so than almost all of his work previously. I think that he came back better than when he left. That's just me, though. So, I quit watching wrestling in, like, 2000. Or 2001. Probably 2000, actually. Shortly after uh, Jericho debuted in WWE. Right? And then I didn't pick it up for a decade or more. Yeah. So I missed most of Kurt Angle's prime. I saw his debut in, like, first year, and I loved him. You know? Yeah. I think everyone did pretty much immediately. I thought he was hilarious. I was a great wrestler. Michaels had kind of gone away by the time I left. Thought he was never going to wrestle again, apparently. Um, Yeah. Has this miraculous kind of comeback where he comes back and he has what I've heard from other people, what you just said, the best years of his career. It it is kind of, like, awe-inspiring. Yeah. Because I started to think, I started to think about, you know, okay, this match, this match that we're, discussing we're about to discuss is amazing maybe like it's in my top five favorites of all time his work with triple h uh right when he first comes back his work with the undertaker is fantastic which that's a whole other like episode um is just about about that whole feud um but also his work against kind of like more mid card. Did you say Jericho? Wrestlers. I was about to say. Sorry. Um, I was about to say Jericho. Uh, but also. Uh, I really want to watch more, that Jericho more... run. Oh man, it's amazing. That and that Mania match is badass too. But also his work against people like Shelton Benjamin, and even he had like a couple of matches against like Chavo Guerrero. Oh cool. Um, you know, it just like. He could work the with just about anybody. Chavo. Yeah, the the uh, uh, enduring enigma that is Chavo Guerrero. Um, what, a, what a pro that guy is, man. Yeah, no, totally. But just that's just to say that, like, this actually is a match between two of like, the best wrestlers ever. Are two of the best wrestlers ever, like in their fucking prime, and it's what like. 30 minutes long it's like a 30 minute long match 25 30 minute long match and each piece of it just builds up to this like crescendo it's like watching a fucking like two composers like weave an opera it is amazing like it it goes from like the initial kind of like you know a big match feel of you know jaw jacking and you know Michael slaps Angle. Chewing his gum. And yeah, chewing his fucking gum. Oh, and, and... Michael slaps Angle. <laughs> yeah. King says slaps are never a good idea. <laughs> and it's right, but I was like aren't bad guys supposed to not think that? <laughs> like King with a moment of truth. Yeah, but totally. it's also like King seems like a person who would slap somebody. Anyway, um, this so is true. The background to this match 
there's a video package before this match that gave me a little bit yeah. of background. And it kind of frames Angle as more of the bad guy going in. Yeah, no. But no, during the match, is. they're pretty... They're oh, pretty... dude, they're so pro-Angle. Yeah. Well, they're, they're so pro-Angle. But the story the... they tell weaves... At the start, you're like, okay, Shawn Michaels is kind of the good guy here. But he's chewing his gum. He seems kind of cocky. And the story they tell throughout goes back and forth. So it's like, it's kind of like what people talk about like exhibition matches where it's just two good guys or two guys that are fighting for no real reason. Big deal. You know, there's not like a clear cut yeah. good guy and bad guy. They take that and they play with it a lot. They kind of play with your sympathies, excuse me, to the point where like late in the match, Michaels does a low blow and gets rounds of booze. Oh Yeah. But through but most dude, of the but match, it's... people are dueling. Or there's dueling. Let's go, Angle. Let's go, Michaels. Chance. Oh yeah, you know, dude. People the, like the, both the... of these guys, and they're choosing yeah. favorites. But they're reacting in real time to the to the story that they're telling, where one guy. But it's just so amorphous, you know. Like they're both doing whatever they whatever it takes to win. Oh, but I read... what I wanted to say about the video package is that, sure. Apparently, in the build up to this. Angle beats up Marty Jannetty and Sensational Sherry. Yes, he does. And gets them both in the ankle lock, which was hysterical to me. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally. He also came out and sang a song about how he's just a sexy Kurt. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They reference that as the Hall like, of Fame. Oh, man. His, also, so his, this is the first time his, these guys wrestle, and Billy Gibbons is yeah. there to watch. <laughs> so this is there's a lot on the line here yeah no totally um so gosh i was gonna make a point but i totally forgot about it you um want me to make a point basically <laughs> i don't know no you don't have to um i've got two go ahead <laughs> why you cough um that so i have one thing that's more of a contentious thing but um the first point i'll say maybe this is the one you wanted to say uh something that's really cool in this match is how they each borrow each other's styles and they each hold moves and especially uh, moves yes. that you don't sometimes moves that you don't think that they're gonna hold through reversals and counters so yes they keep the commentary is really selling the angle olympic gold medalist wrestler Michael's more a proponent of a catches catch can brawl catches catch can style which means which means it can be amorphous yeah. meaning he can kind of go with the style of whomever it is that he's fighting which makes sense given the amount of mat wrestling that Michael's displays in so, like the yeah. first portion of the match and really throughout like, they kind of come back to it but Michael's does like technical wrestling mat you know old school technical mat wrestling where jim ross is saying i can't remember this last time i seen uh it's jim ross right yes yeah he's like i can't remember the last time i seen a short arm scissor and they talk about the wrestling clinic that Shawn michaels is putting on against an olympic gold medalist oh my god you know and it really pisses angle off to the point where then he angle just starts brawling at points he oh, does yeah. throw in suplexes and stuff but well, then throughout but, the but match they, this... they both mix up their styles back and forth oh totally totally but also this is the match of the counter yeah. like there are so many and counters of in holding, this match of blocking a counter and holding a move through a counter and through a reversal they they do that throwback yes. all the time it starts when michael's yes. Holds a headlock through a suplex. Oh yeah, which no, looks totally really cool. And then after that, there's I feel like they do it again. I think probably with the ankle lock, and then yeah. they reference it over. They keep doing references to this holding a submission or another move through a counter or a reversal, yeah. which I thought was cool. And that kind of played into the borrowing of styles. They're both kind of like very smart and adaptable wrestlers and they're both you know working at such an elevated level here that it's hard to 
these uh, a counter that would normally work doesn't work. Yeah. No, totally. They're both savvy. I think that I liked the match because even though, you know, right now we're kind of talking about the more technical, you know, counter-based mat wrestling style, they kind of went all over. You know, yeah. there was action both in the ring and outside the ring. There was a really sick-looking angle slam into the ring post yeah. that Angle did on Shawn Michaels. But then there was, you referenced the low blow earlier. That was like immediately after Angle tried to yeah. fucking belly-to-back suplex Michaels onto the fucking floor from the ring apron. It like, looked like he... <laughs> what I thought it was implying is that he was going to get him to the table. Oh, shit. See, I thought that he was going to just, like, just... And I was like, how is that just... going to happen? Because they had been fucking around with the table right before that. Yeah, you know, yeah, they no, totally. cleared it off. Totally. Don't they do a move on it, and then it doesn't break because it's been reinforced? They did... Uh, Michaels did like a, oh, a crazy splash. Yeah, like a like, like a, a corkscrew, half corkscrew splash or something. Yeah, yeah. Like he does. Yeah. He does a springboard and then he twists in the air. It's like a backwards, but then he twists yeah. forwards. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They both do. There's some high flying moves. Angle goes to do a moonsault, misses a page out of Shawn Michaels' book. You know. Yeah. Well, hey, hey. One thing that I wanted to bring up. That has always confused me about Shawn Michaels, uh, but kind of like really became a really became apparent in this match how he stomps his foot before Sweet Chin music. Yes, like if if you were his opponent, if you were his you opponent, you would hear that and know that he's about to, about to kick you in the face. Exactly, and you had done your fucking homework. You would know. Oh shit! Here comes Sweet Chin music. Here's I need to get thing, the fuck Jason. out of the way. There's two things to this. One is you're groggy. You don't know. You aren't registering that if you're the opponent. But the main thing is yeah. the call to the crowd, the play to the audience is more important. You're supposed to suspend your disbelief. I know that, but I'm also just... No, I, I get throw, you. I'm, just, I'm throwing it out there, man. Well, ooh, do you want to hear my complaint about this match? Mm. What? Finishing submissions that are held for minutes on end. Ah, oh, man. Because okay. here's here's the way I see it. This could either make Shawn Michaels look really strong, or sure. it can make the ankle lock look pathetic. I think that in this moment, in this match, the idea is that Shawn Michaels is holding on and he's pulling out you know, reserves of, you know, uh, intestinal fortitude or whatever. What are the, I don't know that, uh, he really just doesn't want to tap. Right. And I thought for a second, I thought it would have been great if they storyline broke his ankle and he passed out in pain. Oh, that would have been sick. But instead he just lasts through like three minutes of an ankle of the, one of the most brutal finishing moves at the time and then taps. So does that make Shawn Michaels look great or does that make the ankle lock look really lame? Also, mm. does that make Shawn Michaels look great at the expense of every person who's tapped in 20 seconds of ankle lock in every mm. other time it's been done as like, unless at in 2004 2005 angle it took angle a minute a full minute of ankle lock to have a main eventer tap out you know what i mean uh, like, it makes me I wonder i'm under- like man a different match with a slightly different story or one minute less time you would have had Shawn michaels or whoever angle fought before the the month before or three months or five months before tapping out really quick so it's just so See, weird I, to me that like I'm seeing him writhe around and 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 get every counter he does reversed and Angle just holds on with the angle lock and there's all this drama and everyone's like oh but I'm kind of just like Rick still you know like there's diminishing returns <laughs> after a certain point where I start thinking about things like what the fuck is taking this ankle lock pull break his fucking ankle 
<laughs> in, if this See, were a real I... fight, again, suspension of disbelief, but if this is a real fight, you get a guy in the ankle lock, you're trying to make him tap. If he doesn't tap in like 30 seconds, you're just going to break his ankle, right? Yeah, fuck yeah. It's like, uh, it's like the key lock. It's like um, one of those like MMA moves. Like, where what's it's the like... point? You're trying to get them to tap, but if yeah. they're... You're just gonna stand there like a for two minutes at a you know an impasse, a standstill. I don't know. I didn't like that part of this match. See, I thought that it actually was a way in which I think what they were trying to do was they were trying to keep. I mean, this sounds stupid whenever I say it, but keep Michael strong as a resilient kind of baby face that you want to have be sympathetic sure. towards sure. while also establishing Kurt Angle through the ways in which he successfully finally pulled off the ankle lock. Like the fact that he, you know, locked it in, dragged him, you know, back from the ropes multiple times and eventually grapevined the ankle lock, which you means that know. shit is like over. You know, you don't like think that it would have that could have taken half the time. First of all, <laughs> Shawn Michaels looks strong forever. He's Shawn Michaels, even in 05. I understand. But also one thing that I learned about this match is that Shawn Michaels said that I was reading somewhere where Shawn Michaels, like in these years, in the post uh, comeback years, mm-hmm. um, Anytime that he was on a mania, he would always go over his time, you know, the allocated time to because he's Mr. WrestleMania. He's Mr. WrestleMania. When did he start getting called that? So this fucking buildup is whenever he started. Oh, he he called himself Mr. WrestleMania. So that's like stuck. So this, I feel like, was an example of. Michael's kind of using his cachet like in to like take as long as he needed or as long as he felt to tell the adequate story and angle was a willing participant in order to make sure that that story was told. Do I feel like the, the drag long drawn out nature of Michael's tap out was a little too much? Yes, I do. But I also think I was really stoked whenever Angle locked it in, dragged him back from the ropes. And then when he fucking grapevines it, I was like, yes. Like, even though I've seen this match like 20 times, I still get that rush of, dude, you're fucking done for Michaels. Just give it up. Yeah. You know? So... Also, my expectations were kind of high. I mean, I don't, wasn't going in going like, man, I can't wait to watch the best match ever. My friends all told me it was the greatest. But I knew it had a rep, you know, and I'd heard great things about it. And yeah. watching it in the moment live probably would have been fucking amazing, right? I would have been on the edge of my seat going, oh, like every time there was a thing. Well, know? particularly but, like in the lineup of what else was on this mania fucking Aki Bono man <laughs> I, I went and watched that match but and yeah in the whole like end sequence when they start really trading finishers although I do have one quib about that in every match and it's that when someone hasn't hit one of their moves and it's this type of long match you can kind of tell like oh well he's gonna hit that you know like the only, so there was a moment in this match where I was like, the only move that hasn't connected so far is Sweet Chin Music. Sure. And so that's what's going to happen. And then Angle gets up and Bad Mouse Sean and gets kicked, gets Sweet Chin Music. Like I knew, I just knew I was waiting for the kick in the face because that's the one. But then, sure. so I kind of wanted the match to end of the draw. I don't know. There was, there was definitely moments where I was like, what could possibly happen next? And the crowd gets up and does an ovation. Sure. I just didn't like the tap or not drap, tap drama and how long the ankle lock. Mostly what I was thinking was like, man, Kurt Angle needs a new finisher. <laughs> because if if you're if it takes three minutes of your finisher 
after it's already been applied for multiple seconds throughout and multiple times in the match. If it takes three minutes to get a guy to tap, I mean, like, find a new submission move. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's uh, just my nitpicking. It was a great match. Oh, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's one of my favorites. That's awesome. Everyone I like else. How you pick is, favorites uh... and I pick weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> you are. That's what you do, man. Uh, anyone out there who hasn't watched this match, um, or actually even the NXT match that we discussed, uh, both of these are really great wrestling matches. You should go watch them. Good work, Jason, and good work, Joe, in picking matches. Hey, uh, do you have any kudos for a random match generator? <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm choked up. I can't even fucking uh, okay, display folks. my my fucking anger. Folks, my anger. Here's what happened this week. Our random match generator gave us a match that we've gotten before, again. And guess what? It's not another match that we're watching for the second time. <laughs> no, it is one match that we are watching for the third time. Yeah. Match number three tonight. The random match generator's pick is. Gold Dust <laughs> versus the Ultimate Warrior, King of the Ring. King of the Ring qualifying match from Raw Fucking 161, May 27th, 1996. Fuck. Um. So, I am tired of the random match generator giving us this match, but. <laughs> I love this match still, and I don't think I will ever get tired of how this match in all of Raw opens. Every t- the with, third time, it still with gets the fucking, me. With the caressing of the greatest of all time? You know what I noticed this time, too? Goldust, they put a filter on his entrance. Yeah, so how did the, you not notice that? Well, no, because I notice it, of course. And you notice how it's like kind of like grainy or like choppy. But what I noticed really big this time, because now modern TVs are widescreen, right? Already sure. this is full screen, so you've got black bars on the sides. But now mm-hmm. they put, for Gold Dust's entry, so Gold Dust's entry is dark, and it's in widescreen on an old full screen TV. It's got black bars on the top and the bottom. It's, it's, like, in, it's, it's in letterbox format. Yeah, so if you were watching this on TV, it would come mm-hmm. out of a commercial, <laughs> and you would see... Half of your TV taken up by black bars, and the other half, a dark arena, and a creepy gold guy in kind of a choppy filter, caressing himself and taking off his wig. Blows my mind still. Just blows my mind. I love it. <laughs> oh, Lord. I anyway. mean, it's, it's, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can say and I've already said about this match. I still hold the opinion that gold dust is potentially the greatest of all time he's up like there. his his ring work is still solid like the fact that he is still doing something that is uniquely his but also harkens back to his father's style but also harkens back to his WCW days, but is also uniquely the character of Goldust, like speaks volumes to his ability to weave such a rich tapestry of a character, you know, of the character that is Goldust. Like Dustin, Dustin Rhodes, Dustin Runnels is the fucking best. He's I've... outside the ring early in this match kind of begging off from Warrior and the fans are the fans hate Gold Dust, but in the right way. They love yeah. to hate him. Yeah. Right? And one of the fans likes like pats him or taps him, like hits him. And yeah. he's he slaps the fans away so comically. The mm. fans hand away so comically. It cracked me up and it's like it's not a zoomed in moment of the thing, you know. I just noticed it this time because I now we've watched it three fucking times. It just cracked me up how he puts on that suit and that mask and he becomes, well, 
I guess Warrior too. Warrior is fucking insane every time I watch this. Dude, I'm still perplexed by the weird, sick bump that Warrior takes into the, the fucking into the chair. Was that an accident? Did we talk about maybe this was an accident? <laughs> I wrote it down this I, time. I said, "Is the chair spot an accident?" Because it's not on camera, and it looks think, like he also hits his head on the back of the ring on the ring apron. Yeah, and I then they cut over, accident. and he, the chair's busted open. I think it was an accident. Because Marlena doesn't do shit in this match, by the way. Marlena's cool, but she doesn't distract. She doesn't do any... In fact, Goldust has to manufacture a distraction and point to the ref and go, there's a fan over the... Like, he points out to the fan. The ref looks yeah. and a low blow. Dude, Marlena Marlena's, doesn't do anything except kind Marlena's of Marlena's just standing there looking hot, s- s- smoking on her stogie. So you would you think know? that the chair spot would be something like Marlena would put the chair there while Goldust revved up to throw warrior or something but no it's just warrior fall flies out of the ring on accident and hits a chair yeah i want to talk about jerry the king lawler oh shit what do you want to say about lawler so we've talked a little bit about the commentary in this match primarily vince mcmahon being a shill machine oh god for the fucking comic book yeah he's for the comic book he's for the world for the doostricity for Dustricity, yeah. He even, he'll sell you on rain. He can't even talk about rain without selling it. The heavens opened up. My goodness, it was a mess. Oh, shit, yeah, everything because of the is, fucking pay-per-view, yeah. Everything is being sold. At least 50% of what he says is selling matches, merchandise, markets. He'll give you a spiel about how they're sh- the channels they're showing on in Canada. It's just the match is just littered with him just talking, just selling you stuff. Everything's fucking Ahmed Johnson. Po- who's gonna fight Vader later tonight? He just every it, sentence ends in a pitch for the a match later on. Um, everything's King, a fucking P.T. Barnum style, like Shuckster, Huckster, fucking you yeah. know Shuck and Shuck and Jive situation. But, but Lawler, yes, Lawler is so good. But the particular. <laughs> He's so good in that he, like, makes fun of McMahon. He makes fun of the warrior. He is a hypocrite, like every bad guy commentator. He'll say he ridicules Ultimate Warrior's face paint as being nasty and gross. Goldust has face paint. (laughs) And I think he says that when McMahon says something about Goldust's gloves, and King says, well, you have to wear gloves when you're in the ring with someone wearing gross face paint like the warrior. And you're like, Goldust also in face paint king king is great (laughs) but the thing that confuses me about king and a part where he's not great are the kind of gay panicky jokes did we talk about these we talked about him the first time that we discussed this match but wins will he be king of the ring or queen of the ring yeah he makes these jokes but then he's also on Goldust's side yeah it's a weird like way where he's he has to since he's a heel, he has to poke holes in everything, like in a way. Okay. But the more he's poking more holes into Warrior than he is into Gold Dust. Like in the in 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 a different way in which Bobby Heenan or Jesse Ventura as a heel commentator would more poke holes into the persona of the face or the good yeah. Good guy, you know, but they would always support the villain no matter what the villain was doing. They would try to rationalize that. Lawler doesn't necessarily do that. I think because he views himself as kind of like the ultimate nefarious heel. Yeah. Well, he does. He helps point out. He makes fun of Warrior being dumb. He points out that Goldust is so smart. He makes when Goldust points over to distract the ref, King goes, I think there was some fan over there that, that he starts making an excuse, you know. But I think it's like the, a sign of the times, the shifting into the attitude era that King thinks he needs to. I mean, this is like pre-Puppy's King, but it's the same King. He thinks he needs to be risque, you know, like that that's what adds a little to the... And, and, the, and honestly, the Goldust character kind of calls out for that at this time, you know. I don't know if Goldust would say that, but... The people booking him definitely would. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I hear I hear where you're coming from. And then it gets extra complicated in the bizarre ending 
King says a couple things about Gold about Marlena throughout the match. Sure. We talked about this last time, but it's still the most mind-boggling thing in the match. Even Vince McMahon says, "What in the world is this? What were you going to do, Jerry Lawler?" <laughs> At the end of the match, King gets up thinks Warrior's chasing Marlena and not Goldust, totally inexplicably, grabs the broken chair and runs at Warrior with it. Like, he's gonna fight Warrior for Marlena. Or just, or just like, like, sneaky heel, like, hit Warrior, so that Goldust will win, or something that is, like, actually plausible, or might make sense. Who knows? And it's right after we talked about how they set up the Ahmed thing, I think, he, Ahmed Johnson comes out when Goldust tries to run away, brings him back. Throughout the rest of the match, Vince McMahon says, there's no escape. Even like 20 seconds before, before uh, when Goldust goes to leave again, Vince says, Ahmed is likely to come right back out. But then he doesn't. The end of he this doesn't. match is so bizarre. Does this lead to a Warrior King feud? Or did that happen in like 1993? Uh, no, it, the match happens at King of the Ring. No way. This does yes. lead to the King-Warrior feud? Yes. So this is their way of starting the King-Warrior feud? Yes, this is the King opening volley. defending Marlena, chasing Warrior <coughs> with a chair. Correct. You that are correct. That is bizarre. Yeah, welcome to uh, WWF circa 19... 19- May 1996. Hey, you can't talk that much bad about it because this is also the beginning of the lead-up to Austin 316. I know, but it's like like they're stuck between two worlds right now. You know, it's like old rationale, old-style booking, and looking towards a new way of, like, rethinking how they do business is like this is a fucking for real – tipping point this match is an actual like tipping point like the more that we watch it the more that it becomes clear that like this is the clearest depiction of where the wwf had gone in the past and where it was looking to go in the future within the context of one match yeah like it's kind of like it's kind of it's kind of crazy it's like fucking like a vortex match. Maybe it's why we fucking keep getting it. Maybe the random match generator is it's trying stuck to on tell this us. It's like trying to tell us something. It's fucked like, up. It's not like half where WWE had been and what it had grown into and half what it would become. It somehow is both a hundred percent of each. Does that make sense? It's well, yeah, fully I each mean, one at I the mean, same time. Yeah. You can say, yeah. I, and I like think, we talked about I think last we were trying to time, say it's the also same a pretty thing. good match. Yeah. It's not a bad match at all. It's just, we've had to watch, it's 14 minutes long. We've had to watch it three times. I don't know what we do, so we can't really, well, and we'll we'll look into the RMG and see what's going on with it. Try our best. <laughs> um, but, you know, part of the podcast is we have to roll with what the RMG gives us. So, I don't know. Uh, fingers crossed. Wait, what was the really bad one it gave us the other time? Um, the the Blade Runners one was pretty bad. Oh, yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, I guess which is, which is another fucking uh, warrior. warrior associated match. You know what? You know what? I think I want to try to do. I think I'm gonna go ahead and just call what my next pick is going to be on this podcast. What? We're gonna watch. This yeah, fuck is yeah. a first. I'm doing it right now. We're gonna watch Ultimate Warrior versus Rick Rude, SummerSlam 1989. I will watch that match. That's awesome. We're going to fucking watch that. It's Rude's coming in as the Intercontinental Champion and Warriors trying to take the title back. Like, that is a excellent Warrior That's match. That's Prime Warrior. Like, let's, like, let's try to, like... Like, I'm, I'm calling you out, Random Match Generator. If you're trying to tell us something... I, I see I, I'm going to meet your warrior with another warrior and let's see what happens. Oh shit. I wonder that's wild. That's going to be cool. Um, I don't know. I don't have my pick. You're going to have to, it's going to have to be a surprise. 
Is that okay? That's fine with me. Hopefully, oh, I won't hey. be like. Hopefully, I won't be like hacking and coughing next time before, that we do this. Yeah, I think it'll be okay. Hey, before we end, I want to back up to your pick and just bring up one thing. Oh shit! So we're we're going back to Angle Michaels. Well, not really specifically anything about Angle Michaels. The referee was Brian Hebner, son of Earl Hebner. Yes. Wow. He also counts very fast. Oh yeah, dude. He counted a little too fast one time. Yeah, right. He counts so fast. He also has a haircut that no one has ever looked good in. Is like <laughs> one of the worst parts of 2005 was that haircut. Oh totally. Yes. Um, Agreed. I just was amazed that I heard Brian Hebner and I was like, what? And I had to Google him. Long time TNA ref. Yeah, because old Earl got fired from WWE for selling bootleg merchandise. Yeah. Um, On that note, (laughs) uh, thanks for listening. We hope you watch two of these three matches. You know what? I hope you watch all of them. I hope you just Hell, watch yeah. them all watch, once. Watch, watch them, watch them all. You probably only need to you're watch taking, that gold dust. You're taking, you're time. taking the journey with us, you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, now you know one of the matches we're gonna watch next time. You can watch ahead of time. That's pretty cool. Thanks for listening. Go to tootf.tumblr.com. Uh, look us up on iTunes. Subscribe, and uh, please join us we apologize for the random mesh generators erratic behavior and um i guess nah man for the random match generator random match generator i'm calling you out i apologize for the coughs the random match generator i see what you're doing i'm 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 calling you out you know i feel like i feel like i'm fucking like paul orndorff or something like that like i'm calling somebody out but like i'm fucking calling you out random match generator if this was, if you and the random match generator were in WWE any time during the past uh, five years, you would be putting it on notice. Um, yeah, I'm putting you on notice. I fucking hate that term. I hate when <laughs> the NXT roster is on notice. I'm putting the tag team division on notice. Well, I think everyone that fucking would... says that. Well, you know what I think that everyone would say to the random match generator: "You deserve it." <laughs> also hate that too that's great (laughs) um okay well uh thank you for listening see you guys later see you in two weeks